competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of War podcast. I'm your host, Nick Nanavati, and unfortunately, I'm not here joined today by my normal host, Paul Murphy. He is off in Disneyland parading away during these holiday seasons with his family. What a jerk. No, we love Paul. But I'm t- today joined by one of our Art of War ICC members, tournament player up and coming, I would say, Quentin Johnson. Quentin, how are you doing? I am doing awesome. I'm here at home in Orlando. I'm excited to be celebrating the holidays and excited to be on today. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm excited to talk to you. We're going to take a bit of a departure from our normal format. We normally we come on, we interview players that have won something or have done really well something, break down the list, get through the strategy, go through the tactics, and then part two, we go through the matchups. Quentin and I are in a little bit of a predicament. So we're going to approach this podcast a little bit differently. Quentin and I, in part one, are going to break down kind of our relationship with um, LVO, which is our upcoming big super major tournament. I'm sure a lot of players are in the same boat. This is the season finale. We're both going to go to it. I myself haven't played 40K competitively in, in quite some time, except for my recent outing at Warzone Atlanta. So I want to really make a good showing here. And we're going to talk about that relationship with LVO, how we're getting ready for it, what armies we're considering and and what our plans for those armies are, what those lists are looking like and what the strategies for those lists are on kind of a broad level. And then uh, what maybe matchups we're going to, we're thinking about struggling with. And then in part two, which is for subscribers, that's where you get all of the good stuff. You can subscribe on our Patreon. It really means the world to us. Let's just keep producing this podcast for you. Uh, we're three years running and I'd love to make it four. So that's AOW40K.com. Uh, you just could subscribe on Patreon, get access to this show. You can also purchase Art of War Unbroken on there. Blake and Brad do a great job breaking down people's losses. And then you can um, subscribe to both and get both access for 10 bucks. So check it on over AOW40Gay.com. And in part two of the show, that's where you're going to get all the good stuff. Quentin and I are going to talk about those matchups that we kind of identified as problematic or things that we're not really sure how to handle as we get ready for LVO. And Quentin's going to help me troubleshoot mine. I'm going to help Quentin troubleshoot the other. And hopefully we'll walk out of this podcast a little better at 40K and a lot better at these matchups. That sound good to you, Quinn? Sounds awesome to me. Awesome. I'm very excited. So why don't talk, talk, tell us about, a bit about yourself. For the average listener who may or may not know who you are, Quinn, who are you? Uh, I am Quinton Johnson, uh, affectionately known for some reason as Rampage. Um, I'm the tall kid with dyed hair. You'll see me walking around a lot of events. Um, I've been playing this game for a really long time. I got into it when my cousin basically gave me 2000 points, a very poorly painted towel. Um, but only for the last couple of years, I've been, um, playing competitively. I had some pretty good success last season, the beginning of the season, and uh, I'm really excited to uh, take it into the future. That's awesome. Me too. I've watched you kind of rise as a player from where you were a couple of years ago when we first met. I was watching you play coaching a little bit, and uh, I really like to see how you've developed as a player. Now you consistently kick my butt when we meet across the table, so that's really cool to see. I know. Uh, it's exciting. Although you haven't gotten me in the tournament yet, Quinn, and that's when the, the... When the gloves are off? That's when the gloves are off, and that's when the tallies count, you know? No one I know. I've uh, I've gone from a zero percent win rate at the stream house to a fifty percent win rate at the stream house. So that's got to count for something. That definitely counts for something. <laughs> I love the year. So what are you considering for LVO? 
Uh, so I have three things, one of which is far more in consideration than others. So in a very particular order, the three things I'm considering are Twilight Harlequins, um, Tau, and uh, Masterful Shots, Eldar. So um, but I guess like with those three armies, I, I know you've been playing Harlequins as of recently, but you've also mm-hmm. played a lot of Tau this season, playing it uh, very successfully at Cherokee Open in the beginning and the mm-hmm. ETC pilot. I'm sure a couple other events too. Um, yeah. Don't really know you as an Eldar player. What are the, what are the choices you're facing here? So FLG terrain can be very light, um, and Tau is very good on light terrain. Um, but Tau also is kind of a double-edged sword on light terrain, and that Tau are not like super duper durable unless you have like a couple of riptides, and even then you're not gonna out durable out durability like a durability skew. You're just like okay at that. Um, and Tau have this tendency where even in the best of circumstances, you sometimes just have this what I call a bounce turn where to win the game, you have to table your opponent right now because Tau produced this game state where you have to come at me because I'm going to win in two turns because you're just going to be dead. And sometimes you take that turn and you just do no damage and the game ends immediately because you have no scoring, you have no obsec, you have no mission play, your secondaries are mediocre. All you really have is damage, damage, damage. Yeah, and even Tau's secondaries are all contingent on, like, oh, once I kill them, I can complete these secondaries. So. Yeah, my, my secondaries are all contingent on tabling you. It's almost always an action secondary, I do, do turn five, a holds um, secondary where I score at turns three, four, five, and then some kind of a kill secondary. Okay, and basically, like, when you are when your job is to table your opponent nine times in a row to win LVO things can go wrong because you're rolling dice as your strategy here was eventually and, and you're bat dice back to my map. Like you fire a tower yeah. army, your opponent should totally be dead at the end of that. Yeah. But. So basically the way it breaks down is at a certain point on turn two or turn three, when it hits Kalyan, if I want to win the game, I have to table my opponent, which means I have to go all in and just kill them. And that happens successfully about nine out of 10 times. But like sometimes oh, it's a nine round tournament. Just get lucky. Exa- yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Um, but like I played a game the other day, um, against blood angels and he went first and he did the, exactly the correct thing. He deployed on the line and he advanced every unit straight at me. And I was like, wow, this is a lot. And I rolled up, I fired, um, and I handed my opponent sanguinary guard unit, seven plasma rifle saves. And he passed six out of seven of them. Yeah, and I was like, that's the like, game right there because that, that sanguinary I, I guard you. unit's going to hit my crisis unit and the game ends. I totally get it. Like I love to play armies that allow me to lean into player skill and give me outs when they're when I maybe shouldn't have any because the army can figure itself situations. Tau is an army that really leans into the dice aspect of the game. Like they they bury you in weight of dice, like take seven plasma rifle saves. But if your opponent yeah. does just bounce them all, how many times have we shot a, a four up invul model in this game and he's just fours be fickle and doesn't die? You know, that happens to Tau at the wrong moment. It is totally a lost condition. Yeah. Um Tau also really struggle with something like, oh my god, there's five Harlequin troops in my home objective, and they've tagged my crew. I lose now. That's it. Game mail's over. So the other two options you had were Eldar and Harlequins, and you said yeah. you're very much leaning Harlequins, if I understand So correct. it's looking, I would say, 95% chance I'm going to take a Twilight list to LBO. Why is that? What's your thoughts? Um, a few things. One, I absolutely adore the way my Twilight list plays. Like, I just, I'm really clicking with it. I just love it. Um, Two, I think it's very good. I think it's matchup spread is great with two exceptions, possibly three. 
but one of those is not out yet. Um, and I am currently building and panning a Harlequin army, and it's fresh in my mind, hobby wise, and I want to take it. Okay, that's a that's a wholesome answer. I like that. A lot of people lose sight of the hobby aspect when they're gearing up for LVO from the competitive track. Mm-hmm. Um, so I totally I, I like that you threw that in there. So Harlequins are a great army. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cut that cake sideways. There's they've been performing at tournaments. They've been placing really well. Do you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying here? The performing, the placing. I hope you caught that. <laughs> and um, no, I mean they're, they're just a great army. So. You're pretty set with these Quins, right? And are, are you just grinding practice games with this army? How how experienced are you? Um, so I have taken Harlequins to uh, a super major and two GTs in the last couple of months, and I think an RTT too. And I've been running them pretty extensively. They make up about seventy percent of my practice games when I play, like on TTS or like at a game store or something like that. An embarrassing amount. I would say I... <laughs> You're talking to someone who does it for a living. Let's let's keep it real here. I would say I average a game and a half a day. Are you serious? Yes. A game and a half? A t- I don't think I've ever been at that point. That is impressive. Yeah. Man. I mean, like, it's it's not like... I mean, like, some days I won't play, and then I'll play three games in a day, and, like... Is, the, is that all in person, or is that because you hit a tournament every weekend? Is this a TTS, like, once a game a day would, kind of thing? I, I would say I play about a tournament every two weeks, on, on average. Um, and then I um, play, like, a game a day on TTS. I play a lot of games on TTS. Wow. So this is what it takes, apparently, to, to, to get up. No, I don't know if I have that in me, but that's awesome, Quinn. I'm not in the such a practice state of affairs as you i unfortunately you would think as a professional 40k player who streams games for a living i would have an endless repertoire of high quality games which i do which is awesome thank you art of warehouse but it's always with such a variety wide variety of armies because we're always trying to show different stuff off for the stream appeal to the audience that kind of thing and just you know keep sharp on the whole game which is great because it gets me a rudimentary, decent understanding of how every faction works but unfortunately it's a double-edged sword when picking it because we do have um, you know, more or less every faction is available to us in our studio. And then I've played games with almost every faction now. I definitely play against every faction, which, you know, I am not complaining. This is a wonderful thing, problems to have. But um, it, it's it's option overload is the point I'm getting at. And I'm really, I preach not having option overload as a coach. Like I tell my clients, like narrow it down, focus on one to two, and then make a decision after some time, some play testing and some meta-analysis. So I keep trying to infuse this information upon myself. And where I've really gone is I, I started down with Eldar, and then I, I feel like Eldar is my army I've been doing really well with. But I have these hills I can't I haven't figured out how to climb over. Like Tyranids. Like new, right now Tyranids got my number. All three of my tournament losses with Eldar this season, all three of my tournament losses this whole season, I've been two Tyranids. And I haven't figured that matchup out in any sort of comfortable fashion. I played, uh, so John was at my house for like a week or whatever during a recent hurricane. And so he and I played probably five games of his Tyranids into my Eldar. And he stomped me five times in a row. Yeah, he knows that match. So we played that game like 50 times. He knows it. I know it. Yeah. I beat Tyranid players like Jaime, who was was amazing. Jaime Paris. Amazing Tyranid player. That hasn't played the matchup 4,000 times, so there are outs to it. But there's just, like, someone who knows the matchup well just, just got my number. 
And then Thousand Suns plus Flamers. Another horrible matchup for Eldar, especially, like you said. That one's on my list. On the LVO terrain. Like, they just find you. They see you. You're like, oh, my God. And then then your army's dead because you're made of elves. So, really, I'm not feeling Eldar for this event, despite them kind of being my my thing. So, when when I move off Eldar, then I have, like, the entire repertoire of Chaos, which is already, in and of itself, option overload when you get into, like, ten different legions. And then there's demons, and then I could play Thousand Suns plus Flamers, be the problem. And then, you know, Chaos Knights has some sort of a lore on me lately, although I did just play a game with them. I think I can safely rule them out. I just played a game with GSC today for the stream, and like every time I have to write a list for the stream games, I'm like, oh, maybe I could be a GSC player for LVO. And thankfully, Seek's put the boots to me, so I got that idea out real fast. But yeah, it's my it problem. They're not great right now. I'm playing, I'm playing too many armies. I need to narrow it down. Yeah, I, I had a really similar issue where I looked at my collection, I looked at my list of contacts in my phones of everyone who has an army they said they let me borrow, um, and it was option overload, but I had a story, I have a story that has become my guiding principle in 40k recently, and that is the Dallas Open this season, um, where the Tyranny I book I won that out. one. You did. You what did a great story. One. You did. Um, and I think this speaks to what has become a fact I have known about myself recently is uh, I went to Dallas and I bought my ticket like a week before and I begged, borrowed, and uh, 3D printed a unnerfed Tyranid army. I mean, the book had just dropped. We had uh, Encircle the Prey was in full form. I had like Maliceptors and a flying hive tyrant with bodyguard. It was the most broken codex you have ever seen in a game of 40k and I went uh, like four and three with it um because a i hated that faction i liked nothing about it i was not excited for it i did not know the rules very well so i made a ton of really dumb really stupid mistakes because i just didn't know what i was doing i told myself that tyranids were good and that i would figure it out when i got there and i got there and i was uninspired and i was tired and it got to the fact where i'd roll up to a table and i was dreading every single game because they had to play with these gosh dang Tyranids that I just didn't want to play with. And because of that, I kept like checking out of games where around turn three, I would just like stop looking for how to win. I stopped looking for plays. I stopped looking for combat trickery. I stopped looking for like maneuvers that make a good player a good player because I just didn't care. I just stopped caring. And like, I don't ever feel that with like Harlequins or Craft Worlds. Um, every game I play, like, I played a game against Tao earlier today where he went first on light table um, and, like, shot half my army. And instead of, like, being like, well, that's the game, like, I normally do, like, Tyranids, I was like, how do I win this? Like, what trays, what, like, plays can I pick off? There's Crute Hounds there. Can I wrap them and bury my army on these Crute Hounds? What kind of stuff can I do? That's my story about Tyranids. And that's why I'm very hesitant to take an army to a big tournament like LVO where I'm going a long time and I'm really, like, you know, the event really matters that I'm not super excited for beyond the rule set right right now i actually was just talking to matt moore sully one of our other art of war coaches from down under he was saying that the last time he came over to lvo back in i think 2020 for the event he played an off meta army that he thought was going to be awesome and it was pretty good like credit where credit is due and he took a loss early he took like a loss round two or round three and then he just played the rest of the tournament out with this army that he wasn't really into, that he thought was better than it was, and was like, why didn't I just play something I like to play? And then even if I lose a game, I'm still going to enjoy the experience and be here and be present. 
So I think that speaks volumes. Like I, one of the things I just was experiencing when I played uh, my GSC, because of course I went down the rabbit hole of maybe I'll play GSC for LVO. They got all these cool tricks and I love cool tricks and blah, 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 blah. And then Seekers just shot me with Votan. And while I was playing that GSC army, I was in my mind mentally being like, I don't want to do this for nine rounds. It's so many models. It's so much to keep track of, so much thinking. Like it's, it's a tough road for LVO at GSC. So I just decided, you know, in and of itself right there. And that's kind of what you're saying. Like find something you're really going to enjoy and play that. Yeah, there's a certain amount of something to be said about those thinking man's armies that really inspire player skill. Like... Uh, I, one something I know about myself is that I drop off very quickly. Round four specifically, I am dead, and I just don't have the stamina to like play something super complicated if I don't have a billion reps in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that LVO more so than any other tournament, you really need to consider that you're on your feet all day, you're thinking all day. It's a grueling schedule, and then on top of that, you're in Vegas, so you know high li- yeah. high likelihood of experiencing Vegas things while you're there. And even yeah. if you're not, they're pumping the casino hotel you're staying in full of oxygen to make it very hard to sleep. It's like a very physically challenging tournament. Yeah, I um, I took custodies last time, and I w- I got very far. I got to the shadow round at the last LVO. But I played the Custodes mirror match four games in a row. Um, oh my god! It was so. The thing about that mirror match was it was like one shot weapons into four up involves, and it was the worst thing ever because um, there were no rerolls, transhuman everywhere. But my last round against Matt Laura, and credit to him where credit is due, he was on his feet and I was not. Like I just i I did not have the physical stamina, and I made dumb mistakes, and I made plays I shouldn't have. You're making me want to get myself back in shape too, Quentin. I need to go running again. You and me both. Yeah, let's do it. Um, So I think, to your point, narrowing it down to armies, I'm actually excited about playing. We're going to remove Thousand Suns plus Flamers, despite them being one of the strongest armies in the game, um, because I really just don't find them that enjoyable as a faction. I really like Demons. Demons are super strong. They're definitely one of my leading contenders. I really love Eldar, but for the same reasons that you kind of alluded to, I find Eldar are struggling at the game right now into some specific matchups, and I'm not going to LVO to not try to win the whole thing. You know? Oh, so, yeah. So I'm going yeah. to give it my best shot. So I think I've removed Eldar from it. Yeah. Although I don't know if that's wise, because I'm really sharp with Eldar. So what I do you have... think on that? So here's another less cautionary tale, and that is the story of my Wraith Eldar builds, which is... It was at the height of the Tau oppression meta, and I went to a GT, and I was very burned out on Tau, because I'd just gone to a billion events and like won them all with Tau. Just got done tabling people with Tau? Yeah, I thought so. I got tired of the expression on my ta- my opponent's face when all of their models were gone on turn three. Thank you. I like when I, people I, play the game. I like having nice back-and-forth battles. You know, the, yeah, the like, Tau murder face. Not nice. It, I was running this list that had 300 burst cannon shots, and they were all strength 6 AP2, and I had four reels to hit and wound on all of them, and I just shredded people yeah, in like the problem. one turn. You are the you um, are the person I don't like right now in this story. Yeah, I, I, I like you, Quinn. Don't take it too seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote a list with 20 Wraith Blades, which if you don't know is very bad. Um, and I went to this GT, and I was really excited about it, and my like excitement for the list and my like desire to play it um i was looking for those like good player maneuvers and i ended up beating like unnerfed harlequins with like wraith blades um because i was just constantly on my feet and i was excited about it and 
I was talking up a storm and I was arguing online with like people about Wraith Blades and I ended up losing in the finals, but like I got way farther than I should have. So I think there's definitely something to be said about like you on Eldar because every member of the Art of War team, in my opinion, has something they're very good at. And you are very good at being squirrely. It's very difficult to like fully trap you in a cage because you always find your way out. And Eldar are a faction that is very good at finding their way out. Did you but, copy that from John or Jack who says that, or is that your actual opinion of it? Uh, it's a mix. Uh, John and Jack both said that, but then I've I've seen it in all the games I've played against you, all the games I've, seen, I've watched you play. It's like the turn four, turn five, I'm in the corners is where you shine. <laughs> okay. I'll take that as a compliment, I guess. It's interesting. It was meant to be when, one. When I play in tournaments, I don't really, I don't find myself in those kinds of situations often. But when I play practice games, I find myself in the weirdest of situations. Don't we all? Yeah. But no, keep going, keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, that was it. I, I, I think, I think you, you shouldn't write Eldar off, but I think you should definitely take a long look at them. I know I have played Eldar also pretty extensively um, this season. Eldar Town and, um, Harlequins, the three factions I have played in tournaments this season. Um, and Eldar, similar to Tau, have the bounce turn problem, but theirs is much more uh, severe. And theirs is, whoops, I failed Doom Guide and Jinx. Guess the game is just over now. See, um, that, that hasn't been a problem for me in this iteration of Eldar. And when I say this iteration, I mean this codex. In the last codex, I was totally a lost condition. But now, I think with the ga- way the game plays, it's much more. I can fix those kinds of failings with move blocks because I'll know if I'm passing them before the, the turn even begins. If based on my fate dice, like I can, mm-hmm. if I don't have fate dice, then I don't. It goes into doom first, you know. If I'm trying, oh to yeah, kill doom something. was the power you always try and cast first. It's doom, then jinx, then guide for me at least. It, it totally depends on the goals for my turn. Like sometimes it's quick and ritual, and I just move block and hide where I don't even do anything. But yeah. if I'm going for big damage, murder face, doom first. Uh, so in any case. I'll, if I know I'm just going to go kill them all and I have Doom and Guide and everything, then I'll, I'll like literally light on my army and set it up that even if I pass my powers, I still have a move block there because you never know if you're going to kill them or not. It's Oh yeah, you it, have to with Eldar. You just have to set up these screens. You can't afford to take chances if you want consistency. So you, you know my move blocks are in place in either case. I shoot them, pass my powers probably, shoot them dead probably. If it doesn't happen, it's still okay. So I'm not so much worried about that. What I'm really worried about... Is is specifically the Tyrion and Thousand Sons matchups, which maybe we'll talk about how to troubleshoot those in part two. Um, but then also the just the terrain style at LVO is not one very conducive to letting me hide the way I want. It is player place terrain, which you know makes you think like I can put terrain on objectives and just be hunky dory. But the mm-hmm. way their terrain actually lines up is a lot of it is these big ruins, yes. holes in them. Yes. And you can't place the the ruin on the poker chip or the 40 mil base that the objective is actually on. So you have yep. to end up putting that ruin not in the middle of the objective where you can hold it hold it from one of the sides of the ruin. You actually put the ruin over your objective safety zone. So you you end up not being able to hold t- objectives from Adelina's site nearly as effectively as you want to. And that's really what this Eldar army needs to function. Oh, yeah. Eldar die to a stiff breeze now. Like, six bolter shots is like the end of the world for some Eldar armies. I literally got shot by a single chain cane that I didn't account for versus a Chaos Knight. I moved blocked like 11 of them. It was like the 14 dog list or something. I was like, I'm on top of all this. And then one of them 
got an angle I hadn't accounted for, barely saw a Dire Avenger and killed eight of them. And I was like, I hate this. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, the bane of my existence recently, I know it's Admech, but it's been Admech Stratoraptors because they fly over and they bomb one of my big units of Avengers or something. And then they shoot me and it's like 16 shots at like strength four AP nothing. But like, that's terrifying to me. Because like, that's another unit of Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's it's there's a lot of Eldar come very naturally to me because I put a gajillion reps into them over the years and and the this codex as well. So I'm not I'm not too concerned about the fact that they are a very thought intensive army because for me it's very second nature. I already know what to do in a lot of situations. Yeah, uh, I think there's something to be said for that. Whereas like demons, which are the other army I'm seriously considering. They have a lot of creative plays. They have ability to be squirrely, as you put it. I, I love all those aspects about them, but I am not nearly as rough as with demons. I have a month mm-hmm. and a half to potentially solve that, but I really, um, that second nature is not there. Yeah, I, I think second nature is a significant component. I think also just the the optimized, like what is the ceiling a list can take you, because. Like, I love Eldar, and I've given them thought, and I know you're really good at them, but they also do have some catastrophically bad matchups. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know that we're going to actually come to a solution in part two for Eldar, or Eldar into T-Sons and Eldar into Tyranids. I can talk about in detail why those matchups are problematic, and hopefully we can come to something. Yeah, but I, I, can, I can assist, yeah. but I those are two matchups I have given significant thought, and I have ideas, but not, like, those I will are not say, there, there almost always is a way, though. Like I, I, oh, 100%. I people have have for the better part of this entire year said going second versus Tau as Eldar is like unwinnable, or like you know Sun Sharks too strong versus Eldar, and no. it is it is a perfectly winnable position as long as your terrain is decent, not even good, just you know like tournament tolerable. Is is I mean. win more games as an Eldar going second against double Sun Shark Tau than I lose. Yeah, I would say there is one very specific line of play they can approach that one to give themselves a game, um, mm-hmm. in the in especially a game in which they're favoring, I should say. And even that line of play that most people don't even know what it is, the, if they take that line of play, it's still back and forth. It's not over. No, not at all. Um, so yeah, like I said, it, you can probably solve it. I have ideas for both the matchups, and luckily they both have similarities and that they are thousand sons and tyrants i'm talking about are both psychic dominant armies and uh you can solve that problem with eldar very similarly because it's the same problem on each side so i have some ideas we'll talk about that quentin for your harlequins what are you concerned about so i have um two matchups that i'm concerned about and then a few that i am like worry about and then there's guard which is for the list i am running catastrophic and like and like run ending if i hit like an optimized guard list but i don't think there's going to be out as yeah, a printless honestly, spam, so i'm just I'm, not worried about that i'm admitting guard for this conversation they're they really for the purposes of all the players not going to lvo just they need an faq very badly they're so absurdly broken it's it's almost laughable and then yeah, I, the for those going to lvo i don't know the cutoff dates i don't know the release dates i'm not a magical guru but i, I really sincerely of january yeah, I sincerely yeah. hope that guard don't are not allowed in, and that's my plan for that. Yeah, yeah, the guard codex is oh boy, it's just a and lot for those guard um, players that want it. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, this is happening to you. I do feel for you. Yeah, me too. Um, but the the two matchups I'm concerned about 
are um, T-Suns and Flamers. Who's not concerned about this matchup? Demons. Demons have a legit answer. But T-Suns and Flamers is, it's a lot. It's just a lot. Because T-Suns were slow, and that was their thing. And Flamers are, like, they're just not slow. So they kind of solve a lot of issues. Yeah, I would say one of the weaknesses to the T-Suns Flamer army is that they really don't, it's an army made of AP2, so if you just stand yeah. one up armor save with armor contempt at them, or two up armor save and cover with armor contempt, it, it bounces. But that's when they're all their mortal wounds kick in. Yes. It's all obsec. It's very challenging to get ahead of it. And then additionally, this matchup is challenging just for everybody because all their secondaries are so passive. They can just sit there and beat you. Mm-hmm. I um I keep running into this, this issue when I play T-Suns and Flamers when I am when I am Harlequins, is that I have to have a Shadow Seer or two, but like the like one or two psyker lists is where thousand suns just like really kick into high gear because I cannot beat a thousand suns player on I think it's sorcerer's prowess where they have to cast more blessings, maledictions, and witch fires than me. So if you have a psyker in your army, it opens up two secondary options to thousand suns, both of which are very good. One is Wrath of Magnus, which is what you're describing. It's it's you keep a track of whoever's cast more blessings, more maledictions, and more witch fires each battle round. And Thousand Suns, they they like literally poop blessings and witch fires. That's done. Maledictions, yeah. you actually can compete with them on. They only have access to like three in all of their trees, and not everyone takes all three of them, and they have to pass them. So you can actually you know stunt them on maledictions if you have a, a good amount of those yourself. But largely yeah. speaking, they'll just beat you in the psychic phase on all these front after front yeah. after front. For I mean, I have, 15. like, when I cast my powers, I have, you know, four spells and two denies, and they have, you know, 12 spells and 10 denies. Yeah, um, for sure. What typically what happens is there's one rubric squad in the back that's casting Pachydemonic Curse every turn, like, just into the air, just for points, and I don't... I don't bring malediction, so I can't I can't. Yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Literally, that's the problem. And then the other yeah. one is... is uh, Sorcerer's Prowse is what you were describing, which is every time they kill a unit um, with a mortal wound, psychic power type thing, and they get points. Which yeah, is, so I, I run yeah. a bunch of like five-man troop squads that are like, ah, I'm going to grab this objective and then die, and it's just two points every time. Just two yeah. points, two points. And eventually points, they'll snipe characters, and it's even worse, for sure. Um, the first time a Thousand Suns player, I thought I had screened out, and they were like, okay, I'm going to kill your guy with a psychic power, and then I'm going to teleport into the gap, and then I'm going to use that squad's line of sight to cast a Zinch's Firestore, but onto your Shadow Seer and kill her. And I was like, oh, well, that's five points, and my army is now crippled. There's so many plays. It's so. Yeah. Talk about a squirrely faction. You think you got a thousand sons beaten, beaten and they're like, I actually, bottom of turn five. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, they're, they're one of the top armies in the game, and I think everyone's got to have a legitimate plan for playing against yeah. them or play. With them, not to say they're the army to beat. I think the meta is super healthy. I think everyone's yes. got matchups they're concerned with. Thousand Suns and Flamers included have their own problematic. I matchups. think, ironically, Thousand Suns and Flamers are very concerned about like Blood Angels. They're very concerned with Blood Angels, like because I, if I, a Blood Angels player is like, say, if they go first and they're like, my whole army is in the, on the center of the table, and the Death Company have killed all your Terminators. There, I've watched Thousand Suns versus Blood Angels. I've been on the Thousand side of Thousand Suns versus Blood Angels. There's two ways that game goes down. The mm-hmm. Blood Angel player either has the stones to push, lose half their army, and, and just move on from there and charge, and accept that you know it only takes 700 or 800 points of actual Blood Angels hitting Thousand Suns to end the game from there. Um, which, you know, admittedly, in a very high-level competitive 40k environment, that line of play is very risk-oriented, and you got to be very comfortable with the matchup to take it. 
But mm-hmm. I, I've seen it happen. You know, I've been on the Thousand Suns end. You cannot table a Blood Angel list in one turn. And then when Blood Angels connect, you die. There's no questions asked. So I think there's the way through it, which is really what Blood Angel players need to be looking for. I'm coaching you, Blood Angel players, so you can knock out the Thousand Suns players for me. And then <laughs> uh, the other way, which I've seen a lot of Blood Angel players do, has it can work is that control style match where you take Thousand Suns, take their normal secondary suite of defensive secondaries, they're missing that Wrath of Magnus one because Blangelists don't bring Psychers. And then if they go for Psychic Interrogation instead of Warp Ritual, Warp Ritual is a free 12, and Blangelists can't really interact with it. But Psychic Interrogation is three points a turn up to 15. If you see that as a Blangelist player that they pick, they're trying to play a defense game against you, you can actually just put all your characters in reserve not go near them at all. Not go near the Thousand Sons Army. And they have, they're missing two secondaries. Their plan is shot. Oh, yeah. So maybe I should play Blood Angels. They got a good plan in Z-Sons. That's the only thing you got to beat, right? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. With the meta's not like that nowadays. There's a million things you got to contend with. Oh, there really is. I, every mm-hmm. time I write a list or pick an army, this is the new army I'm going to take for LVO. I, I think of the, the theoretical oh, yeah. matchups. I'm like, oh, I can't beat this one. I, I think, can't beat that one. I think at this point, you just have to say, this. these are my bad matchups, and here's I'm going to prepare for it. The other bad matchup I'm concerned about with Twilight Harlequins is Chaos Knights. Chaos Knights is a rough one for you, for sure. It is. I have not lost it, but I have had some very dicey games. Uh, Chaos Knights is a dicey army. Like Not only in that they are knights, but in the way Chaos Knights interact. Like Dread Test as a mechanic is all about, let's just roll dice to see what happens. Yeah. I, I have a 50% chance of my 12-man Harlequin troop killing three armagers or doing nothing. Just, we'll see. And I, I have ways I have thought about fixing it, um, but we can talk about that in part two, I think. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, what's interesting also, Quinn, before we move on to part two, is just like okay. the variety of armies out there and the mm-hmm. polarization to those matchups. So like we've all talked, like you have different bad matchups to me, right? And you're, you're worried yeah. about Chaos Knights as an Eldar player. I'm not worried about Chaos Knights at all. And as a Demon player, I don't even know if I'm supposed to be worried about Chaos Knights. Yeah. But um, there's degrees to it. Like as an Eldar player, I very much am terrified of Kraken Tyranids. Like I think it's horrible. And same with Thousands of Flamers. I'm like these matchups are like I don't even know where to start. Well, I do know where to start, but I don't. I don't. There's a lot of ways that this can go poorly. And then there's other matchups like volatile matchups that are dice oriented you know not really in your control some matchups are very skill based it's not just like good matchup bad matchup it's a very binary way of looking at it you can even add a fine matchup as a as a three third category but why is it good or bad or fine is kind of what i'm getting at because it's is it a skill oriented game is it terrain is the x factor is it first turn is the x factor is it just hyper volatile on very specific key moments like does scarbrand hit a charge out of reserve or not what is where can this go wrong? And I, I like to have as much control over those moments as I can when I plan my lists. Yeah. So one thing I really like about now this LVO in particular is the my first competitive season was in the heyday of the Admech Drakari meta, and it was if you are not playing one of these two factions, you don't like do not pass code, do not collect two hundred dollars. Like these are these are what you need to compete. Um, and the last LVO I went to, it was like custodies are the best army in the game. And like bring those or don't bother trying, right? Like they're they're like head and shoulders above everything else. And now it's like T Suns and Flamers are good, and Clowns are good, and Chaos Knights is good, and Emperor's Children is good, 
and Tower Good, and there's a bunch of different factions that are all good, and you all have to watch watch out for all of them, but there's no one thing that's like, yeah, this is going to win LVO this year. Because, I don't know, it could be, you know, Dark Horse Gene Stealer Cult. I don't think it's going to be, but it could be. It, it's not going to be for me. That's what I learned today. <laughs> yeah. Next week, we're going to get Eric Lathuris on to talk about GSC, everybody. After that podcast, I may be a GSC player again. Hopefully See, not. You're- <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna do that, and then you're gonna have your drop turn with 120 neophytes, and it's gonna take you 15 minutes to physically put all the models onto the board, and then you're gonna shoot everything, and you're gonna kill two sanguinary guard, and then you're gonna not be a GSC player anymore. No, that's literally what happened today. I put 100 models on the board on turn three. I shot them. I killed five Votan bikers and nine infantry, and I gave yeah. six a four on primary, and then I got tabled. Yeah. That's all how all my GSC games go. That's how all of my GSC games go too. We're gonna get Eric Eric the Oracle on to show us how it's done because neither Quentin nor I can figure this one out. Uh, that's okay though. Quinn, I'm excited for part two. We're gonna help you solve. Well, actually, no, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. I'm getting we're not ahead done of myself. Okay. I'm also a demon player. I know that I should be an Eldar player based on my brown magic skills, but demons have my army at heart. For those people who are newer to 40k. You may not even know. Quentin, I don't even know if you know, but like I used to be the demon guy. I played demons for like years. I have three Adepticon wins with demons. You know? Oh, I saw I saw the brownstones. You saw the brown. This is yeah, this is brownstone times. Jack and I Jack and I Jack and I pull out the brownstones when I killed his blue horse. So my point exactly. The internet doesn't even know what brownstones are. What you gotta do is help me figure out what my demons troublesome matchups are. Because I really don't know what do you think when you are bad matchups for demons? Uh, Harlequins, I think. I think Twilight Harlequins can can make demons struggle. Um, because I have answers to Bellicor very easily. I have answers to Flamers without Thousand Suns. And I have answers, comical answers, to uh, Bloodletters and things of that nature. Um, and I think, uh, like, a 30 Hawk list can give demons trouble because it's a billion shots with AP0 but auto-wound on sixes. Yeah, the 30 Hawk list I don't think is a very real theoretical army, just because, like, who's going to run it? Someone's going to run it after this podcast. Yeah. But, you know. It's a good list, though. It's a very good list. It's it's a good list in the way that Eldar just, you know, it's it's all in on the aspect that Eldar does on the one thing, which it is really yes. good. It's just then, then you hit your, your thousands on your tyrants, and you're even oh, you're more vulnerable yeah. to them. Yeah, the math says all the Hawks kill, like, one Terminator, like, and then, then you, like, go home. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I will absolutely concede to you the Harlequin match. I think that one's pretty challenging. I think that's worth troubleshooting as well. And you're a perfect person to help troubleshoot it with. But I will say my new demon list is much different to the one you played the other day. So I, I think it's warrant um, a bit of a discussion as to what it is. Does it have three Disco Lords? No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> that was that was a moment <laughs> of weakness. That We've been on a trip, everybody. We've been on a trip. It's the, been a journey. The, the latest demon list I'm, I'm considering is like Scarbrand... Bloodthirster, Lord of Change, fairly monster heavy. Um, okay. And then 20 Demonettes, 20 Bloodletters with access to the Corn Warp Storm table based on how it's split up. Mm-hmm. Um, 15 Flamers, uh, 14 Flamers, I believe. And then a unit of three Nurglings and a Change Caster. Mm-hmm. So that, it's it's more a mixture of Monster Mash plus there's infantry on the board. But I do agree, Harlequins are very good at handling Flamers, which is a big challenge. Um, it's really gonna rely. I'm gonna rely a lot more on those greater demons to try to do heavy lifting against you, which is not an easy battle at all. 
No, because anything with the Slanesh keyword evaporates. I don't have um, much of that. I just have the 20 demonettes. Those things are actually just trade missiles, but we're getting oh, yeah. ahead of ourselves. Let's go. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. keep that all up into part two. Part two, everybody. Hope you enjoyed this experimental episode. Quentin and I are doing a bit of a holiday special for you. Um, getting ready for LVO. I'm sure a lot of us are in the same boat. Uh, in part two, Quentin and I are going to help, I guess. I'm going to help Quentin troubleshoot Thousand Suns. And there's a lot of plays Harlequins can have into those. And then oh, yeah. troubleshoot Chaos Knights. Same idea. Quentin, let's see if we can work some magic for these Eldar versus Tyrants and Thousand Suns. And then maybe that the two of us together can kind of tr- trouble solve demons versus Harlequins as well. Yeah, I'd love that. It'll be fun. You'll get to watch two excellent Warhammer players uh, talk about Warhammer theory, talk about uh, troubleshooting matchups, and just see the thought process unveiled. Come join us in part two. You can subscribe if you're not already on AOW40K.com. It's on Patreon. It's five bucks a month. It's really awesome. It helps us keep producing the show for you. We love you, everybody, and we'll see you later. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40K.com.